Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 43, Sam Takes Out a Loan. Welcome, Big Chillians. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Frank Molinaro. Uh, so let's, I guess, officially say hi to the boys. Sam and Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, you kind of left us out. You went, you went straight to Frank, and you never said hello to us. I was <laughs> I didn't sorry. Last episode we talked about me getting bumped from Mahomes. It's like I got, I got, I got bumped for Frank Molinaro. <laughs> I mean that with the most respect to him, but <laughs> didn't realize I was going to get cut so soon. Uh, quick little side note, because obviously for several weeks my internet situation was. Uh, a topic of conversation on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, two days ago, I got a text message from Orange <laughs> confirming that I was going to have a technician come to my house the following day. <laughs> so even to... after canceling service over yeah. a month ago now, they still, this is how bad this company is. It's not only could they not give you internet in four months, they also still don't even realize you're not with them anymore. Yeah, so I had to call them up. I had to call this, and it's because it's outsourced. I had to call the company that the technician was coming from, and I was like, "Hey, I'd like to cancel this appointment." And they're like, "Why do you want to cancel it? Do you want to? Don't you want to rearrange it for another time?" And I was like, "No, I canceled my contract with Orange a month ago. Basically, I like have a different internet service provider now." And they're like, "Okay, but do you want to rearrange the appointment?" I was like, "No." You should just have the technician over for like a drink. <laughs> I was tempted, just... but then I knew I knew that like a bill was going to turn up at some point, right? Like that. Um, but then I had, I did have a workman come over uh, this week because we had a uh, we're redoing some walls in our in our bathroom uh, after some damage from a leak above in the apartment above us. This guy came over. He was good. Worked well. Um, but it did bring me on to this is like a common occurrence now whenever we have people come to do work is just either putting their phone on speakerphone and just having conversations. Like, I don't know when this became acceptable. I think in general society anyway, you see it more and more. But the guy would just get a phone call, speakerphone while he continued to work and then just loudly like blast away speaking to his wife, speaking to his kids at one point, speaking to some colleagues. Like he must've made it. He was here for 10 hours. Over the course of the 10 hours, he probably made 15 phone calls. And bear in mind, I'm working from home. So at some point I was like, <laughs> I was on a phone call for work. And then you just hear in the background, like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, uh, sorry guys, someone's painting, painting a room for me. Maybe he thought the same way about you. He's like, excuse me, could you keep it down? I'm trying to work. <laughs> I'm speaking to my wife here. I'm trying to work and speak to my I, wife at the same time. Can you shut up? <laughs> I have to admit, I, I don't understand when people have, when they have someone on speakerphone and they have the phone here, you know, when they yeah. hold it up against their mouth, it's like, it's not far away from your ear. Like, I don't understand what you're doing here. Yeah, All you got to like do the, is turn it 90 degrees. It's literally yeah, just yeah. turn your phone 90, push <laughs> off speaker, and we're all good. It's Everyone's just a simple good. hand wrist movement, and you're all good. But no, you decide to be obnoxious because I can't see any reason behind it. No, that's the thing I don't get is I, I could understand if you were just either so unaware or just had such a, self, a sense of self-importance 
that you're like, this is going to go on speakerphone. I don't want the inconvenience of holding my phone near my face. My phone's just going to go somewhere and I'm going to yell this conversation out. But the fact that you've, this is to me, the feeling of holding it in front of your face is at least equal effort to putting it to your ear, if not potentially more effort. And so you're not saving yourself in any way. You're just being an asshole. Well, I, I mean, you're saving yourself from cancer because when you put that That's phone true. next to your ear, you're just causing cancer. I've, yeah, you're I've, redirecting the, you're, you, you, want, you want like tongue and throat cancer over brain cancer. That's a, it's true. It's a smart decision. Oh, I mean, Every day of the year. If there was a cancer <laughs> hierarchy, yeah, you've got it in one really. <laughs> no, I want brain cancer if I got a choice. People would be more okay. sympathetic. I, I know if I had, I, 100%, if I got like, I've never been a smoker, right? But I know if I got like any like throat, mouth, tongue cancer, people would be like, oh, you smoked? And they'd be like, no, no, I didn't. I know people wouldn't believe you. Whereas brain, you're like, oh, man, that's rough. That's, that's oh, would you think too hard? <laughs> like, what are yeah, they my, I overworked my brain, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I tackled it so hard, it just uh, had to kept trying to regenerate cells, and it went wrong. <laughs> that's a light note for us, though. Not, Speaking not, of... Not uh, the most controversial topic, is it? Listing your hierarchy of cancers <laughs> we'll do that top five cancers we'd want to have top five cancers <laughs> <laughs> wow touch, touch wood here but anyway um the uh speaking of controversial questions and topics we spoke about uh jake paul and logan paul and their celebrity boxing um and we actually probably should have asked frank like if he thought he could have taken on a celebrity in a in the wrestling ring like how that would have gone well, not ring, I guess, what he was doing, but Matt, ring, but close. Matt. Actually, well, that would be interesting, right? If he, if you took on like a celebrity in a WWE style, but real wrestling event, like how would that go? But oh, well, I thought you meant real wrestling, as in WWE was the real wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any wrestling fans still listening to this are going to be upset by that. But, uh, but um, wait, real quick. Now that I'm thinking about it, how much more? interesting would wwe be if it were real and then after three moves there's just a guy lying just dead in the middle of the ring just dead <laughs> just like severely injured i mean that's true like the realities of like the undertaker going to a top rope and landing on you like you would be dead you would well, except they do that right there are those like circuits in where they do like real wrestling I know Louis Theroux did a documentary where he tried to, like he went to the rest of the like wrestling school that all the WWE wrestlers go through. And then as part of that, he got, he went and visited this guy who organizes like a real wrestling, but WWE style. They use chairs. They like hit each other with chairs. They hit each other with like, uh, like baseball bats wrapped in barbed wire and stuff, but it's all real. And they just legit just destroy each other. And he was like, no, it's super genuine. Like, this is what the people want. And people go crazy for it, but obviously not quite on the scale that they do WWE. Which is probably the interesting thing, right? People want to see it, but they don't really want to see it. Like, they don't really want to see The Rock just smash a chair into a guy's head and just just, just destroy him. Like, well, it would, John Cena's dead. No, it would be good every eight to 10 months, just as a reminder that if you were to really do this, this would be your actual outcome. And they just take the lowest guy on the totem pole. And they're like, listen, but I'm sorry. We didn't think you were going to make it to the top, have a career. You're going to have to take one for the team here and take a real chair. to the head. <laughs> <laughs> Or they don't let them know. 
right? So like the like just twice a year, just randomly instead of a prop chair, like a real chair gets thrown oh in. Oh my god, I can imagine like... that. One day is like one day WWE just has like the purge. <laughs> yes, exactly. that, but but they don't announce the day <laughs> so there's just one day where you just turn up and he's like oh i've got the uh, ringside bell and i'm gonna hit it over this guy's head it's like oh shit i've just caved his head in <laughs> or you don't know like the wrestlers don't know until the it starts and then it's like uh just the one of those cage like when the cage descends and they're all trapped inside i don't have all the terminology now i know Head wrestling fell Hell, hell in a, in a cell. cell there you go and it's like hell in a cell but like lights flash and it's a warning and it's like this one's for real and just like <laughs> last man standing worst case we've got a really good movie in the yeah. works here yeah that's true we when we just so everyone knows this is our idea we've got the rights to this if this movie gets made our legal team's coming after you what are we saying purge wwe edition <laughs> yeah well, we can't steal their franchise and then claim it was our, our idea. Purge, no, Star we'll Wars do, edition. No, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll do WWF Purge and we'll actually do it for the World Wildlife Fund. Oh, no, exactly. Like, Could The Rock beat a panda? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a fight for who gets the, gets the initials. They just like we pit you pit your best wrestlers against the WWF gets to choose the animals it wants to represent them. It's like the Undertaker versus a polar bear. <laughs> and like the winner takes like a rainforest. Like if the WWE yeah. win, they burn it down. <laughs> Imagine the previews, you just have the polar bear be like, I'm gonna make the Undertaker an endangered species. <laughs> How is he talking? <laughs> I don't know, I wouldn't figure that out. But, uh, so, so getting back to <laughs> getting back to uh, celebrity fights, um, Jamel Hill, who famously like previously worked for ESPN and now has a show on Vice, I think it is. She she had uh, Logan Paul on. Logan, <laughs> mix up the Paul brothers. It was the it was the one that just fought just fought Nate Robinson. I think was that was Jake Paul who Jake. just fought him. Yeah, that was Jake Paul. Logan's so she, fighting Floyd Mayweather, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she just had Jake Paul on the show, and one the first question I believe they asked him was, given the current climate in the United States, was it racist to knock Nate Robinson out? That's that was her legitimate question. That to have a white guy knock a black guy out was that a racist act? And the look you two are giving me was basically the look he gave them back. He was also, he was on a Zoom call and he was just like, uh, no, <laughs> why would it be racist? Like, what even... a stupid question. Like, I actually, I have very little respect for him overall, but I actually, the way he dealt with the issue was pretty good. He just, he was just like, this is, at one moment, I think he was like, that's a shit question. And then I think he had like a connection issue. He kind of got disconnected. He came back on. They asked him the question again, and he was like, "Really, you're gonna just like keep asking me this shit question?" If if we step back to WWE, if that were a planned outcome, then okay, maybe that's a legitimate question. But there's every chance that Nate Robinson knocked him out, and then wouldn't that have been a good thing with the current state of of America? 
Yeah. yeah so I mean, you're saying is he healing? He's healing America by knocking out Jake Paul, which you could say in by knocking out ways. a white arrogant asshole YouTuber. No, that's yeah. clearly a trapping question, right? They're clearly just trying yeah. to trap him to get him bumbling or something like the, that for like a. The, well, the weird thing is, they, for them, it seemed like a really genuine, hard-hitting question. Like it didn't actually feel like they were like, "Here's a soundbite coming. Let's ask this guy who we maybe don't have that much respect for this like really stupidly tricky question." It to them, it seemed like no, no, no. This is a good question. Like, it isn't it kind of racist to knock a black guy out? It's like, well, yeah, if you did it just on the street, perhaps, but not when you've not when you've organized and scheduled a fight and it's done in in like unless Nate, a sanctioned boxing match. Yeah. yeah. Unless Nate had no idea that this was happening. <laughs> like he didn't know what he was signing up for. But so no. they, they tricked him into coming <laughs> into a boxing in, yeah. <laughs> to a boxing arena, putting on all the stuff for a boxing match, getting into the actual ring, and then be like, Oh, you are fighting. Wait, what? Yeah. It's like it's a photo shoot, Nate. Don't worry about it. It's just a photo shoot. <laughs> oh, we need action shots. Just get in, just like throw a couple punches. We need some. And as it turned out, he it was actually Nate Robinson who'd called Jake Paul out. So it's actually him, like he'd instigated the fight which even removes any any more thoughts that you could have that it was like Jake Paul selecting black people to knock out, which would be a bizarre, like this is how racist he is, that like one by one he's just calling out black celebrities and being like, I hate you people, and I'm going to take you down slowly but in very controlled circumstances. Yeah, it's, it's, that's stupid. That's Well, that's why she's no longer at ESPN. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just an awful question and just had a huge backlash, negative backlash from people. So at least, and then this is the downside though, right? And we've spoken about this in the past when we talked about like some of the talking heads on in sports in general, is that even if in, in this instance, even if she thought it was a good question, I'm sure she knew like, if we ask him this, it's going to get a lot of publicity. Even if people think it's yeah. stupid, it's going to get publicity. And like, that's the tough thing. Like you, you almost don't want to talk about it because it's a six, like it's a successful question now because like, I didn't know her show was on vice. For example, I've now seen the clip probably 15 times this week. I would have never seen the fact that she was interviewing Jake Paul otherwise. Yeah. So I guess I completely agree with that because now that I have, XM radio or Sirius radio. I always listen to either ESPN or NFL network whenever I drive and it's all, they're just all trying to make sound bites to get people to listen to it. it. It's so frustrating. I mean, some of the people that they have on there are absolute idiots, but they know that they'll just say something provocative, no matter how dumb it is. And it's a sound bite. And then all of a sudden you're looking into, Oh, what, what show is this? Who is this on there? But it's, it's bad. The other thing I'll say about radio is you can, because it's just the sound, you really realize how bad some athletes are. So one of the good ones was uh, they had Brett Favre on the other day. Not good at all. He was terrible. Terrible. Just I it mean, was. I, the, wouldn't, I oh. wouldn't have expected him to be good. But even his, his analysis and his commentary of the games was just so bad. I mean, you think of someone who's been in the sport since he was, till he was, what, 40 years old, right? He retired after 40, didn't he? Yeah, when he came back and played with the, the Vikings. The Vikings, well, with the, yeah. The Jets and the Vikings, yeah. Yeah, and it was just 
terrible. <laughs> no, but I mean, there you're talking about a guy, right, who suffered some concussions. So maybe his recall of his career Oof. might not be the best. And it that shows lead, a little. That might lead us into another talking point from the week, which is that uh, eight players are claiming uh, that the sport of rugby left them with permanent brain damage and are they're in the process of starting a claim against the game's authorities for negligence. And most notably of the, the eight from the eight players, I mean, they're all relatively significant former professionals, but it includes uh, Steve Thompson, who was part of the uh, England World Cup winning team in 2003. He played in every match in 2003. And like the big anecdote that he came out with as part of this is that he cannot remember a single moment from the 2003 World Cup that he can he can remember stories from it because they've been told to him. And so he can retell them in the sense that like he can remember the story like he can't remember experiencing it but he can remember the story being funny and then he can't picture himself in it and and when he sees world cup clips for example he can't he can't picture himself in the match it's just like he's watching any other match and he just happens to be like a figure within it pretty sad i mean you're not talking about anyone who's none of these players are old steve thompson's 42 right now all of these players that that, that are involved in the lawsuit are all under the age of 50 and they all have sort of early onset dementia. So they're all talking about the idea that by the, by the age of 50, they'll basically be in care homes. So it's, it's a really sad state of affairs, but it's a kind of difficult one to know how in contact sports where head injuries are, off, are obviously kind of go with the territory, how do you deal with it? Well, I guess my question, I haven't seen this. Are they claiming, in, you said it's like neg- negligence, right? So their their big claim is that basically it's the training practices, basically particularly in their era, that let them down. So I think Steve Thompson in particular talked to, or or it was a former Welsh player actually who I think I saw speaking about it. He said that in one one training match in particular, while well, training day in particular, because they'd scrummed badly, they made them do a hundred scrums. So for non non rugby sort of people who aren't familiar with with rugby. Uh, the scrum is that moment that everyone will be able to picture where you have the sort of two sets of opposing team members locking heads and pushing against each other. It's like the defining and, moment of rugby. Yeah, it's like that thing everyone usually pictures. Now, in already going back, they've changed the rules in terms of how the scrum is set up and how they engage and when they push and the physical impact um, that players receive there anyway. And that before they used, they used to kind of like slam into each other, whereas now they set and then begin to push. So there is less kind of a, of a jarring contact there anyway. So there's that change, which there wouldn't have been the case when these guys were playing necessarily. But he's basically said that um, he thinks he could have reduced 80 to 90% of his head trauma if they just trained differently. So they don't even necessarily want the rules of the game to be changed just to be dealt with the training methods differently. Isn't that so tough though? Because then who is the lawsuit really towards? Because it's not the federations. I mean, obviously they have some control over the trainings, but not really. I mean, they can set limits on, I I guess they could set limits on the time and what you do and how much contact there is, but that's got to be so different from team to team where I'm sure the there are teams who are pretty proactive about it and, you know, are limiting head to head contact in a training. And then there are other ones, like you're saying, who almost punish people by doing it. So how, like how it's really tough to hold an organization responsible 
for things that the teams within it are doing on their own, not in the match. Sure. But I also think fundamentally those parameters and frameworks are set. What is it? The IRU, the International Rugby Union, is it? I think it's yeah. called. I don't, but they're the ones that are going to fundamentally frame how the federations then frame the club's training, going into their game experience and all that. So fundamentally, someone is responsible for the players' like well-being and health in the game. And you would say that if the IRU is responsible for setting those frameworks, then there is a culpability that goes to them. I think it's a really important topic because, you know, rugby players don't wear helmets. They, um, they're very much involved in like hard hitting contact. It's sometimes it's pretty tough to watch because even when you see like scrums, when they come together and collapse and you see all this exerted pressure go down on their heads, like it looks bad to watch as a fan. I mean, Christ, it, it, it was quite quite sad to read Steve Thompson's like analysis of it. And I think one of the other players in the lawsuit came out and he was like, it genuinely feels like the lights are on, but no one's home. Like he's aware, he's aware of things that happened in his life and in his past, but in no way are they memories or emotions or feelings. They're just things that he's seen on TV that reflect something he did in his former life. And that's, that's just a tragic thing to hear. So it's always good for this kind of topic to be in discussion, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I also think it's a key part of when you hear them talk about the lawsuit is that they've not said, I mean, they are obviously trying to get money. It's not an outrageous sum of money though. It's in, you know, millions of pounds, but for a number of players and um, the main focus on their law of the lawsuit is to a raise awareness and b change the, the way in which the game is dealing with it. So not that I wouldn't have respect for it in other under under other circumstances, but it's clearly not a money grab of like, I want a hundred million pounds now. Um, and I think too, I mean, I can not to get too serious, right? But like I've had people, seen people in my family with dementia, obviously at, at an old age. And one of the kind of what Sam touches on, one of the things you see them really struggle with is the frustration they have when they realize the moment of realization when like something isn't working. I think that must be particularly tough for an athlete at a young age. Like if Steve Thompson's out and about, he's going to get recognized by people who are going to come up to him and be like, Oh, I remember, you know, I remember 2003 and you did this and that. And for him, there'll be no memory. And that must be so frustrating to the point of anger, right? That you're just like, ah, I'm, you're uncomfortable. It's not a good moment to be in. That must almost make the whole experience even worse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree with, with Sam. I mean, obviously someone should be held responsible and it would be up to the Federation. I just think it's so hard. Like take the NFL is, is a great example. Cause I mean, they've done a lot to try and change, you know, concussion protocols and things like that. It's a lot easier for the NFL to oversee what's happening in the game and make sure that everything's going on correctly in the game, but it then becomes a little harder for them to have to continually monitor 30 teams every practice. Do you know what I mean? So like it's, I, I agree. They, you know, the NFL, if something would happen should ultimately be held responsible, but it's, it, it can't be easy once you're dropping it down into like individual training sessions within teams, and especially rugby. Cause it's not like there's just 30 teams. I mean, there's tons and tons of teams, right? Yeah. And also very different because you, you have the world governing body. But the difference in the NFL comparison, right, is that those players are, are NFL employees, like they're contracted to the league. So there's a responsibility there. 
the difference here would be like maybe you would go to England and play in the in the in the Premiership in England and feel like the clubs there are following the rules, but then you'll go and play in France for a portion of your career, and they might have a more old-fashioned approach to training, and then you feel like, well, now I'm not I'm not following the guidelines that have been put in place, and so that's going to be w- much more complicated to try and introduce on a global level across multiple countries, different leagues, amateur, professional, or sort all sorts of different things. And also the response, the, the tough thing too, right? Yes, you can, I'm sure you can limit the amount of contact that's going on in training, but you also need people to experience that in a training scenario so that when they get into a match, they know what they're doing from a technical standpoint, because you don't want to be like, well, we don't scrummage as much in, in, in training anymore. And now we have severe injuries that happen because people aren't as skilled when they get into a match scenario. Like it's a very difficult balance to strike. But we do have some rugby guests planned for actually in the not too distant future. So it's, and he'll be much more informed about the sort of training practices. So it'll be interesting to maybe speak to him about it. Yeah. Um, so shifting, we, we mentioned the NFL. So I think we should probably get to our NFL picks. But first, you know, I love a good top five with one week left in Pro Bowl voting. Who do you think are the top five vote getters in the NFL? I'll give you the hints of two are quarterbacks, two are running backs, and one is offense, one non-quarterback running back. Okay. Sam, you want to take a guess, then I'll take a guess. We'll see who gets – you're not even going to take a guess. I mean, I'll take the obvious one. Patrick Mahomes must be one of the quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is number one in voting okay now number two on the quarterback stakes is actually kind of tough because it depends when the voting came in like because russell wilson could have a ton of votes but then he's kind of fallen off a cliff over the last four or five weeks so i think it's been open for i want to say two or three weeks now do you do you does the pro bowl vote happen because they are the you're meant to be picking the best players or is there an element of like we want the showman quarterback to be in it. Someone like Josh Allen, for example, like, is there, does that get well, I would, I, into the voting? I would say popularity plays into it. I mean, if there's a, per, a, a player that's really popular, fans are going to vote that player more. And obviously they're going to vote for already. You're just going to get hometown voting. So you're going to yeah. get some people like there's going to be Buffalo Bills fans out there who've probably voted for whoever the Buffalo Bills. Daniel Jones has, has got some votes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Yeah. Uh, Fitzpatrick probably has some votes. Uh, yeah. I guess my guess for the number two quarterback would be Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is not in the top five of Pro Bowl voting. I, wow. I'm going to go with Derek Henry as one of them. Not QB, obviously. but <laughs> Derek Henry is number three in Pro Bowl voting. And there's another running back. Another running back. Is it, is it Kamara? It is not Kamara. It's the other great running back. <laughs> There's only one other one. Oh, Dalvin Cook? Yes. Dalvin Cook is number five. Makes sense. So you're missing the quarterback and you're missing the non-quarterback running back. The other quarterback. Is it? Uh, Cousins. I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, you named him already. <laughs> I... It's Wilson. Yeah, it's, it's Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Okay. He's number and two. Then, and then... The other non, so it's an often it's just not a it's not a quarterback and it's not a running back. It could be any exactly. other position. Yes, I'll go for DK Metcalf. No, it is not. 
I will say this. He's dominating his position this year. Partly due to an injury of another person who's usually close. Oh, Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Yeah. Due to Kittle being injured, I would say. Yeah. Plus, he's a good example. Not that he's not one of the best uh, tight ends in the game, but like the personality in addition to the yeah. on-the-field stuff makes him an attractive prospect. From I mean, he's having like a epic season as a tight end right now. He's already over 1,000 yeah. yards. No, no, for sure. I'm not, I'm not like saying <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all off-the-field stuff, but definitely he's a likable public face. Like he, He's going to get votes from people just for that. So I guess talking about voting and standings and the NFL may be worth taking a look back on uh, on how things went for us last week. We're now in the witching hour of the NFL season. This is where people's picks get mixed and matched and people who are in last start to move up the ladder. Oh, wow. You're, uh... Are you preparing yourself to take Scott Hansen's job when he retires? <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, Scott Hansen's suffering a little bit this year. He's had a few moments where he's got a little bit lost. when he cuts Not his, his best year. No, there's been multiple moments where he's got a little bit confused, and, and especially when it's like flipping between multiple games, and then suddenly like something will happen, and it's gone, and it's only him. Like The thing that sucks with the red zone sometimes is they cut out the like game commentary, right? And then you've just got Scott Hansen fill it. You like be like, oh, there's a flag on the play, and then they cut to like another team doing something, and Scott Hansen's explaining it, and then he'd be like, uh, I, I, I don't know what that flag's for. I think it's first down. Oh yeah. no, it's an interception. Sorry, it's an <laughs> interception turnover. They scored a, it. It was turned for a touchdown. Sorry about that. I mean, it is tough because he's he's got first off, he's got the earpieces in, telling him probably a thousand things, and then he's probably trying to watch all the games at once too. He's probably not watching the one game we're watching. He's probably watching them all in one eye. And then what you're seeing in the other eye, it's gotta be super tough, but I will say the thing that kind of gets to me about his decline, little decline this year is he's another one. I feel like he doesn't know the rules. There's so many times where he's like, Oh, well, yeah, um, that can't be an interception because of this and that. And it's like, no, that's not the rule at all. Like, where you just made that rule up out of nowhere. He does that often. So I guess I'll give you our, our current standings. So not our best week, not our worst week. Uh, everyone did pretty well just straight up picking the winners. Moneyline was more of a mix. Uh, sorry, against the spread was more of a mixed bag. So last week I went 11 and three straight up. Uh, Sam, you went nine and five straight up and Frank, you went nine and five straight up. So you two just staying close to each other on that one. Um, and then against the spread, I went seven and seven, Sam, you went four and 10 and, uh, Frank, you went six and eight. And yeah, that brings our season totals, uh, overall against straight up, just picking, picking the winners. I'm now one thirty-two fifty-five and one. Uh, Sam, you are one one fifteen seventy two and one, and Frank, you are also one fifteen seventy two and one. Seventeen against, back of you that we're done. Yeah, that one's tough. done. Against the spread, I'm now ninety three ninety two and three. Uh, and you two both entered the hundred club, but sadly not for winners, but for picking for being wrong this time. You are now both 84, 101, and 3. So you are deadlocked against the spread and money line on your picks after 
13 How weeks. are we? T- weren't we tied last week against the spread? And now I My, dominated them. We had the recount, know. remember? We had the recount. This recount is insane. You, you were, you were you tied. You should work for like, Trump. You were tied last <laughs> week. You were tied last week straight up. And this week you tied straight up in your picks. So you remain tied. I thought we were tied <laughs> against the spread. No, against the spread, you were four and ten. Uh, you were six and eight, and Sam was four and ten, but he was actually slightly ahead of you last week. <sighs> recount. Don't worry, I'll do the full recount. You can have the full numbers, but I'm I'm confident in these numbers as they stand. But it does mean you two. I mean, just what a there is no air between us. You two are the NFC East. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> if it's impressive, but it's exciting. <laughs> so do I want to be the quarterback who can't hold on to the ball or the quarterback with one leg <laughs> tough one right i think in this scenario frank given your the your very the two the backgrounds for the two of you you are very much alex smith in like you've got a career behind you you're familiar with the game but maybe you've had a few injuries and blips that have just lowered <laughs> your game and you're, you're not where you want to be right now but it's not bad yeah. And Sam, Sam is the up and coming, struggling team trying to get to grips with how things are going. Like, is he Jalen Hurts? <laughs> no, he's 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 Daniel Jones mixed with yeah. Colt McCoy. I'm I'm Daniel Just Jones. A little bit first, of both. Yeah, yeah, I'm Daniel Jones. First couple of weeks, I go on that big run, and then from then on, it's just that stumble. You know, Sam first got into football around when Colt McCoy was a starter, so there's like that ties into it, and then. Now this is him trying to step into the big time. This is his Daniel Jones moment. So, you know, they're, they're Unless, both, they're, it's, they're great parallels for where you are. I'm less bothered about my record. It's Frank's <laughs> that I would be a little bit bothered about. I don't yeah. know. Just, you've got that experience, Frank. What's happening? What's it just turns out that when the Frank and the squid go head to head, it is a, it is a fierce battle. It is it is like a giant squid wrapping itself around a ship at sea, and just the two of you. you I thought you were just gonna say I thought you were just gonna say a giant squid wrapping around a giant human. I thought you were just gonna go all in on me. <laughs> You're just Captain Nemo over there, just desperately fighting against the inevitable. Yeah, football's well, an unpredictable sport. It's tough. You're gonna get you're gonna get full squid back for the college game. Yeah. Yeah, that will got, be, uh, yeah. The observations from me will be short and unpredictable. Bowl season yeah, we'll, will be great. Oh my we'll, god, that'll be so good. We can just give you the full <laughs> names with like the nickname. You are gonna be so enticed by some of these nicknames of the universities. I can't wait. You're just gonna also, be furious when I come out of it with like this amazing record. Well, you'll have a 50-50 chance in every ball game, right? So it's it's a little bit there's ties. Um, not in a ball game. <laughs> They've got to win. <laughs> they, they don't just no ball. No one wins the ball. <laughs> we'll also have a full squid moment back because you're. We're going to have to do an NBA preview in the next couple of weeks, and and you can step back into the NBA arena and let us know who you think's going to win each division, what the playoff look it's going to be like, and and who the eventual NBA champions in 2021 are going to be. I can't wait to give that advice to all our listeners. But then, should we? Step back into picking mode, and and Sam, you want to get us underway with this week's matchups? Sure. Let's kick it off. So we've got the Patriots at the Rams, and the Rams are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to try and be a little bit quicker with our analysis here anyway. So anyone listening for the first time will go a bit more in-depth in future weeks. But 
uh, for me, I kind of, this seems, we talk every, every so often about the overreaction and this line seems like a real overreaction to a good Patriot performance last week. And the difference there was they were stepping up against a very good coaching matchup for them, a rookie quarterback who Bill Belichick just has an incredible record against rookie quarterbacks. And this time around, they're facing a well-coached, experienced team. So I like the Rams. I think this is should be a comfortable win for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also, I mean, that Patriots win was – it wasn't – it wasn't undeserved, but obviously the scoreline, I mean, that was about defense and special teams, right? It's, it's interesting that you've got a team that wins 45 nothing, and the QB still has a mediocre game. It, it just, you, you can't bring that into a game like the Rams, where apart from that touchdown, what was it, like a minute and a half in, look really good defensively again. And I just think it's a really good matchup for the Rams, this one. And I, I agree with Eddie that I honestly thought that line should be closer to like a 6-7 mark. So yeah, I'm taking the Rams in cover. Yeah, I'll just give some quick stats. So New England's actually 0-3 in road games against winning teams this season, so not not a good start. Um, the interesting thing is everyone still, when they think Patriots, they think great defense. And even you can be fooled into thinking that last week with a 45-0 win, oh, my God, well, at least their defense is spectacular. Their defense is actually in the bottom 10 in the NFL for DVOA, so they're actually not very good. And the Rams' offense ranks fourth. So this is a huge mismatch here with a good Rams offense against a shitty Pats defense and then flip it. You have a good Rams defense against a, like Sam said, terrible Patriots offense. I, I agree. I think this could be a blowout, but having said that we all know the Rams, we've talked about them throughout the year. They are a major roller coaster. So um, I'm going to go Rams to win and to cover, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is like one of those random, Oh, Goff had, 180 yards and four interceptions. What was that all about? You know, you, you never know with, with Goff and the Rams. Super Bowl rematch too, right? He, Goff might feel like he's got a point to prove here. Crucial playoff game for the, well, pr- crucial game for them in terms of their playoff picture. So this might be a one where he's, obviously I'm not a believer in the extra motivation, but he might have a little bit this time around. Speaking of um, playoff motivations, Cardinals at the Giants and uh, the Cardinals are two and a half point favorites. Now, what do we think of that spread? Like Giants look good. Is it is it a slight overreaction to the Seahawks win? Are the Cardinals just looking pretty bad after losing three straight games? So the line's pretty justified. Like, what do we think? I would say if it were just from last week's, then it would be an overreaction. But if you even back it up a few weeks, I mean, the Cardinals the past three, four weeks haven't looked very good. And the Giants are on a pretty nice winning streak here and capping it off with a nice performance against the Seahawks. So I I don't think it's an overreaction. I think it's a legitimate spread. Um, The stats I'll bring in here are the Giants haven't lost by more than two points since week five. So that's pretty crazy. I mean, you're looking at nine weeks there of every game being within two uh, if they were losing. And Arizona hasn't won by more than two points since week seven. So I, the spread is pretty justified where the Giants aren't losing by more and the, the Cardinals aren't winning by more. So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I'm going to go – this is tough, obviously, when your team that you thought sucked this year suddenly builds some momentum and you have this false hope that they could make the playoffs and somehow make a run. Uh, currently, if the, 
if the season ended right now, they would play the Seahawks in the playoffs too, which, you know, there you're thinking, oh, we already beat them once. We can beat them again. I'm going to stick with the Giants. I just think they have the hot hand right now, and I don't know what's going on with Kyler Murray. I don't know if he's actually is hurt or if, you know, teams are just figuring him out. But the Giants' defense has looked solid. Um, they put a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson. I think if they can put that same pressure on Murray, uh, he's going to have some turnovers. And I think the Giants can win a closer, low-scoring match from those turnovers. But if they can't stop the Cards offense, there's no way they can keep with them. Uh, if the Giants win, it's got to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, that's the reason why I'm going to take the Cardinals. I'm I, you. You do very much. And I don't think this is an overreaction to last week because these are two teams trending in opposite directions. Like if you look back at the past four or five weeks, but fundamentally, I still think the Cardinals will, even against a good Giants defense, they will be able to score points. And I mean, the the target is twenty points, right, to win this game. And I think they'll get they'll get to that twenty point mark. So I'm going to take the Cardinals to win. I'm going to take them to cover the spread as well. Yeah, I'm just uh, you, you've both covered the kind of things I was thinking about with this one. I'm just not sure. Like the Cards have lost like three straight. The Giants have got momentum with them, but fundamentally, it is still the Cardinals are a better team, and therefore you look at that two and a half. You look at what the Giants are capable of offensively of having those kind of like cataclysmic style things. Even though Frank's point about uh, two points is kind of interesting, I. You know, this is it's a bit of a toss up for me, but I think I want to go with the better, I, what I perceive to be the better team in this scenario. So I, I, I'll take the Cardinals as well and to cover. The interesting thing, right? Just as a quick side point, I've talked all year about looking forward to picking against an NFC East team in the playoffs. We kind of spoke about that a little bit in the last episode. It's not outrageous to think that there might be two NFC East teams in the playoffs. Like if Washington and the Giants keep this up, it's not outrageous to think that one of them will be the division winner and the other one can get in as, as a wild card. Yeah. I mean, the only thing we've talked about previously is their schedules aren't the easiest going through. They still have a decent amount of out of division, tough opponents. It's not like they're playing, you know, they already played the Bengals and, and teams like that. Now they're getting into the Ravens and the Browns. So it'll be tough, but it's true. I mean, they, the way that it, they're moving right now, you could see an eight and eight team maybe squeak in the playoffs, and it could be Washington or the Giants. Speaking of <laughs> NFC East, you've got a team that probably well isn't going to be. It's the Cowboys, and they're at the Bengals, and the Cowboys are three and a half point favorites. This is a tough one for me. I mean, clearly the mm. Cowboys are the better better team, but there is a moment at which when have the Cowboys just checked out on this season? Yeah, uh, and it seemed like they maybe checked out a little bit on Monday night or what, Tuesday night. When when was that game even played? It's hard to Monday night. Yeah, <laughs> hard to put all these various games. Tuesday, together. Tuesday. It's hard to keep track of when games are being played nowadays. But that's the thing. That being said, I still think that this is the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals. The 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 Bengals just, you know, are not good. And without Burrow now, just everything everything from their offense that looked good early on is is now gone uh so i'm going to take the i'm going to take the cowboys to win and would be nice if the spread was 3 or under but i'll still take them to cover the spread yeah me i mean i'm 
I mean, the the Cowboys were destroyed on the running game, weren't they, against the Ravens? I think the Ravens ran for nearly like 300 yards. And the, the problem with the Bengals is they just can't score. Uh, they they were keeping things pretty competitive. <laughs> small small they, problem, Sam. But they they just can't score. I think I said it last week that um, the the below score was like fourteen and a half for the Bengals to score, and I, I thought it was a really good bet because they can't score. But saying that, if they could get some sort of running game going, because they can't rely on they can't rely on the throwing game at the moment. If they could get a running game going with like a Bernard, but I I'll go for an upset. Uh, it's not really a three and a half point favorites, but I'm going to go for the Bengals to win and uh, to cover. I think I think the Cowboys truly have checked out, and I, I think this is probably one of those low scoring moments where the Bengals could sneak a win. So still supporting the Bengals even after Burrow is out. To my Sam is a true breath. fan. I am a true Bengals fan. <laughs> he's just he's just hoping that that Joe's listening to this during his his off time and and that he's going to call him up. Thank him for his, thank him for his dedicated support. Continued service. So I didn't know you were servicing him. <laughs> no, he's defending his freedoms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big for difference, me, setting. you have Prescott and Burrow both out. Who was the bigger impact for their team? And I think I would have to argue it was probably Burrow because he doesn't have the support around him like Dak Prescott has. I mean, they still have a decent team and Andy Dalton is a better backup um, than I can't remember his name. Now they switched into it. Who is it? It's not Finley. Yeah. Allen. Yeah. So Dalton, I think is clearly better than Allen. Also, you're looking at a revenge match here, Dalton against the Bengals. So he's got a little extra to play for. I think Dallas wins this and I think they cover. Uh, Broncos at the Panthers, and the Panthers are three-point favorites. So this is back-to-back games that I have no interest in watching. Yeah, this that's is my, definitely... that's my analysis. <laughs> <It's> def- <laughs> uh, keep it short. I, 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 yeah, this is the game when each week I try and identify the games that I want to see under a minute of each week. Frank's right. These are these are the two. I'm hoping that I, even if I I could go without seeing the highlights from these ones. In all honesty, really, I don't know. Will, We've got a, will there be a highlights? Trick. No, there's a shit hat trick coming up with the one after this as well. <laughs> so, a shit well, trick. It's yeah. a shit trick. This is a shit trick coming up. Uh, I'm going to. I'm just going to say that I think that the Broncos defense is good enough um, here. I think this is a slightly bad matchup for the Panthers. So I'm going to take the Broncos to win. I'm going to take them with the with the points as well. The, the problem with the Panthers is they've got the Christian McCaffrey question again, haven't they? About like, oh, he is fit. Are you risking him? Are you playing him? Like it's come up now like three or four times this season. And I kind of just get the feeling that they should just... The season's done, right? Every game is pretty much a dead rubber for them. Just... Just rest take him. him. Take like, him out back and shoot him. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> give, him the, give, I mean, give him the Luke Keekley treatment. No, they committed a lot of cap on him. And it just doesn't make sense to just keep risking him for these kind of what are largely irrelevant games. Like, well, I just guess make there's sure two, he's healthy, right? I guess there's a couple things there, right? Which is they'll be looking for positives and things to build around. And so you want your main offensive weapon to be part of that. And assessing, for example, who else in the team needs to be replaced and what the situation is in, in other parts of the game. Also, I'm sure he wants to play. I doubt that he wants to be sidelined for that. It's frustrating for him. And he also might have his 
even his eye on certain records and things. And if you lose four games, five games, those become tough over the course of your career. So I can see why he would be motivated, but I do kind of agree with you from, from the organization standpoint, you would think at this point that it's just get yourself healthy for next year when hopefully we'll be in, have a playoff push. For me though, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to take the Panthers here. I've, 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 kind of develop one of those kind of gut feeling soft spot for them this season where they've actually got me some good wins against the spread. And the problem with the Broncos, right, is defensively they look pretty competent, but offensively they just don't. I don't really see it. But can I have I seen the Panthers often score quite a few points? Yes. So for that reason... <laughs> have I seen the Panthers often score quite a few points? Yes. <laughs> there's well, there's no disclaimers in that. No, I haven't covered uh, I just think anyway. you want to take a bath. I think you just want to take a bath with Bridgewater. That's, this is the... A bath with Bridgewater. Ooh. Now that would be a good podcast. A bath with Bridgewater. You just yeah, interview just, someone while they take a bath together. We just go to spas <laughs> with NFL players. But they do it unknowingly, so you just kind of barge in whilst they're in the bath and start interviewing them. <laughs> no, that might be more your like fetish thing. Um, we're gonna leave. We're gonna fetish. leave the voy- We're gonna leave the voyeurism out of the podcast. It's not voyeurism. So, it's like we just barge in. <laughs> oh, sorry, you raped. It's the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you one upped me there. Sexual assault. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Uh, Billy on the street kind of thing where you just run up to someone and scream at them. That's the kind of thing I'd be going for. It would okay, be kind of a, a thin line between voyeurism and rape. Oh, you can be Sammy in the locker room. That could be your thing. You just, Sammy in the locker room. That's pretty good. Just, <laughs> it sounds just, like the shittest game of Cluedo. Yeah, you just <laughs> run up to naked men and scream random questions in their face. <laughs> We've got to make this happen. One Super Bowl media day. We've got to get this. So for a dollar... So I have a great Billy on the Streets thing, Eddie, that I've been wanting to bring up for a very long time, but we just don't have the time right now to unfold the story, the backstory that goes with one of his comments. So I have to remember the next time because it involves one of our long-term listeners and a debate we have with him. So we'll save it for the next podcast. So just remind me to talk about my Billy on the Streets thing. Don't don't even say it. Don't is it say. Hugh Jackman? Is it Hugh Jackman related? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, there's a teaser for the listener who's obsessed with go. Hugh Jackman. All right. On to the so, next game. So getting. Oh, wait, I, I didn't pick Frank, my you pick. made your pick. Frank, do you, do you want to pick? I'm going to stick. I'm going to go with Sam. I'm going to take the Panthers, and I'll take this week as I do every week to just make sure everyone knows that Drew Locke is still the league's worst quarterback in the NFL. He is terrible. Never bet for Drew Locke. Bet so, for him or bet on him. <laughs> never trust him. Never put a bet on for him. He will not pay you. Never vote Joe Biden under the guise of Drew Locke. <laughs> okay. Wow, this is wow. weird qualifier. Yeah. <laughs> so completing the shit show, uh, Texans at the Bears, and the Texans are one point. Whoa, favorite. whoa, whoa! Shit show. This <laughs> is the Houston Texans. Anything we're talking involving about. anything involving the Chicago Bears and what I saw in that fourth quarter with Trubisky. It is a shit show. <laughs> yeah, for that, I'll keep this super quick. The main reason here is I have to take the best player on the field, and that's... So you're going with the Bears and Mitch. Yep, absolutely not. You have to go to Sean, Sean Watson here. Uh, he is head and shoulders ahead of anything that Mitch Trubisky is. Here's my question, though, for this. 
Mitch Trubisky was drafted above of Deshaun Watson. If the Bears had Deshaun Watson instead, how much better of a team would they be? And I don't mean right now. I mean the past three, four seasons where they've actually been competitive. I think they would have been consistently a playoff team. I don't think it turns them into a Super Bowl contender. Their defense is legit, right? So they have a huge component when it comes to being a very good team. And that must be frustrating to be on that defense and just see how incompetent they are sometimes on the other side of the ball. I think if you added Deshaun Watson, there, I'd, I, I, I'd say that would be the best bad. passer rating in the NFL. I think they turn into the Packers. I'll put their ceiling at what the Packers are now. The Packers have a terrible defense. I know. I'm not saying that all aspects of the game become level from one person changing teams. I just mean in terms of how good I, I'd put them on. So they're a consistent, like a team that could make the NFC championship. Yeah. They're a consistent sort of nine, nine to 12 win team each year. Now, who do you think's more mad? Deshaun Watson, that he could be on the bears who have a great defense and could be in the playoffs and in contention or bears fans and players who have to play week in and week out with Mitch Trubisky and think, man, we could have had Deshaun Watson, who's a playmaker. I mean, they're probably thinking more that they could have had Patrick Mahomes, right? I don't know why they'd be lowering themselves to the Deshaun Watson possibility. Because I think Deshaun Watson was always going to be taken above Mahomes. True. Um, But if they were going to reach for a quarterback, you'd hope that you reach for maybe uh, someone on course to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But... I guess it depends. Probably the Bears fan base and players. For Deshaun Watson, he's probably in his mind thinking if he ever had this thought that the Bears wouldn't be that much better. I mean, he's played in playoff games with the Texans, right? So the Bears wouldn't be that much better than the situation he's been in in Houston. In addition to that, he's got no state income tax in Texas, right? And he's and he's got... Uh, Great barbecue, warmer climate overall. Great probably. barbecue. You know, like, do I want to spend Mexico. the Mexico? Win- <laughs> yeah. Do I want to spend the winter in in Houston or the winter in Chicago? Probably prefer the winter in Houston. I, summers, I'd probably want to get out of Houston, but the winters probably be there. And for that reason, you're taking the Bears and the points. <laughs> I am taking the Bears actually. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> actually, okay. I think their defense is going to be the the thing that that wins this game. So I. Look, they both had catastrophic fourth quarter failures last week in the, in their different ways in terms of coming very close to winning games. I mean, the Bears gave up a lead and should have won. The Texans had the opportunity to win a game, and then they all then both of them came up short on, you know, sort of the opportunity to score the death to win the game. Uh, so I don't think either team is particularly good, but I'd rather bet on the team that I know has a quality aspect, and that's the Bears defense going to go the other way i'm going with the texans I, I just my problem with the bears is whenever i go with them on points or talk about that defense they do absolutely nothing to help me so i'm going to go the other way it's purely that kind of thing so yeah i'm taking the texans um next up is the chiefs of the dolphins and the chiefs are seven point favorites keep this one quick I say every time when I'm picking a Chiefs game, I'm obviously picking them to win. I'm slightly hesitant that with the spread that they don't finish games off or they don't take games seriously sometimes for the first couple quarters. So the seven points worries me that they'll be up 10 or 13 points 
and there'll be a late Dolphins touchdown so that they, the Chiefs don't cover. Um, but I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Chiefs minus seven. To me, the only thing that makes me feel a little bit more confident is after that Steelers defeat on Monday. Now the Chiefs have a realistic hope of getting that number one seed in the bye. So there's a reason for them to really be fully motivated for all of these remaining games. For sure. I think what what's interesting, though, about the Dolphins, right? I had a look at their schedule, and they actually do well against good teams. Like, they only lost to the Bills by three, but they beat the Rams by 11. They beat the Cardinals by three. They beat the 49ers by, like, 26, but that was obviously um, at a different part. <laughs> the issue so, is there, Sam. I think you may have only named one good team. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, not saying that as a, I'm not saying that as a Niners joke. I, I think fundamentally the Bills and the Rams there are the only only good teams from that. They they did play the Cardinals early on, though, or early-ish, like five or six weeks ago, when the Cardinals were in good good stead at that After point. They yeah. smoked the Niners. It was pre-shoulder so injury, the, Kyler Murray. They played Murray. the Niners at the perfect time. Yeah. And, but they, they, they do pretty well. They seem to do poorly against poor teams, um, the Dolphins. Like they just seem to not have as they just seem to like have a workman performance against the the poorer teams, but they seem to turn up against the better ones. Um, the Chiefs kind of red zone conversion from the the Broncos game was a little bit concerning, but ultimately they are the better team. Uh, the seven worries me a little bit, but same reason as Eddie really. It, it's just an annoying figure with the Chiefs, but I'll take them and cover. So the Dolphins are an NFL best nine and three against the spread. Not the team I would have thought has the best record in the NFL against the spread. But having said that, I'm with you guys. I think the Chiefs will cover. This is now the talking point for the Chiefs is, oh, no, their red zone isn't so good. You know, they can't score TDs when they get in the red zone. They're going to come out here, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get in the red zone and go five for five with touchdowns and, and clean it up. They seem to constantly do that. Um, where they'll get some sort of criticism and then come out and address that criticism. So I wouldn't be surprised if they start to pick it up and get more effective. So, you know, they played the Broncos game was close, but that was because four or five trips in the red zone or four, I think it was, they didn't have a touchdown. So if two of those are touchdowns. It's no longer a close game. I think they're a much better team. I'll take the Chiefs. All right. Uh, Vikings at the Bucks, and the Bucks are six and a half point favorites. Uh, what do we think about the Vikings' playoff chances? Because they've got a few games left, but they've got to play the Bucks, and I think the Saints is another one for them as well. Like, what do we think about their playoff hopes? Considering they started what one and five through the first six. Yeah, they'd yeah, only I mean, be the fourth team in history to make the playoffs with a one and five start if they do make it. A little bit different in terms of the circumstances, considering the fact that the playoffs are expanded this year. So it would be a slightly misleading stat if it does happen. Um. But I, I think they're going to miss out on the playoffs just because they're getting close to needing to run the table just because of the number of teams involved in that NFC playoff hunt. And you just know that one or two of them are going to put a good run together. And that's going to be the thing that's tough for all those teams, that, you know, like the Vikings or the Niners or whoever it is who are right on the bubble. You, you're getting close to being to needing to be near perfect. This game is a tough one for me because I've seen the best side of, in terms of how I view them. I've seen the better side of the Vikings all year long. I saw this comeback coming in terms of their resurgence. I'm not taking credit for that. They were preseason favorites to win that division, right? So this the fact that they're not more involved in the playoff hunt is a surprise. But Tampa Bay off a, off a bye, 
Tom Brady, as refreshed as he's going to be at his age, that defense, the Tampa Bay defense is a seriously good defense. Um, I'm going to take the, they're also an incredibly good run defense, which is, uh, they're the best run defense in the league, I believe. So that's going to be the thing that's going to help them out against the Vikings. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay to win and to cover. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that run defense is important because it's going to force like Cousins to throw more. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a good thing. Um, but for, to be honest, for all the reasons you just said, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take the bucks with this one. Also, just that Vikings performance against the Jags just didn't fill you with any confidence in terms of like how they manage that game basically so yeah for me a refreshed bucks team will be a good good shout here so i'll take them and to cover eddie i might need to tap into your kirk cousins iv because oh, i'm going vikings well i'm I... gonna pull that iv out then <laughs> i'll tell you that now <laughs> i don't know with the duca curse poisoning my iv drip it's so uh, polonium or whatever it is <laughs> they've they've won four out of the last five but they haven't been pretty wins, but they're winning. And I think at a certain point that starts to build them some confidence where they can look back at that Jags game and say, yeah, you know what? We didn't play to our best. We can correct this. We need to fix this. We need to fix that. But you know what? We still won. We're still in a playoff hunt. And I think that's something they can build off of instead of looking back and saying, oh my God, we almost lost to the Jags. This now becomes a must win. I mean, obviously the past five weeks have been must wins for them but this is still a must win for them they're off the back of four out of five wins they've got some momentum the bucks have just not looked spectacular lately i I mean one good game against the panthers rather than that they got blown out by the saints they lost to the rams lost to the chiefs almost lost to the giants i don't think they're as good as everyone thinks they are just because they have a person named tom brady on their team so i'm going to take the upset i'm going to go vikings uh titans at the jags and the titans are seven and a half point favorites for me i'll keep this one a little bit quick like i'll take the second half performance against the browns titans to beat the jags and i i think um we were were talking about kind of the jets and the the kind of draft picks and having a good loss is probably a good thing for them i think at this situation with the jags as well they're probably in that kind of good loss territory so i think they'll be competitive but ultimately a loss will probably benefit them in terms of draft picks. So I'll take the Titans and cover the points as well. Yeah, I'll be quick here. I think this is a really great matchup for the Titans. Um, and I, they, they fall into that category of me, like with my rule, right? Which is good team for the bounce back win. So I'm definitely taking the Titans win. I think they'll cover. I think the spread is generous to the Jags. So I'm, I think it's a slight overreaction to an uptick in some of the Jags recent performances and the Titans struggling last week. So seven and a half to, to me, sounds like a very fair number. I'm going to take the Titans to cover. Yeah. Starting to be another one of those teams that gets frustrating to bet on, especially for me. That's they sunk both my bets last week, but you have a team that can beat the bills and the Colts by more than 19 points and then be losing 38 to three at half to the Browns. As frustrating that as that is, I can't see them losing to the Jags, especially because they need to keep winning to boost their playoff spot. And I think they're going to try and rebound and play off of that second half momentum they had against the Browns. So I think they could win pretty big here. All right. Uh, 
Colts at the Raiders, interesting one. So the Colts are three-point favorites, but I mean, for the playoff, right, this is a pretty good one. Like I was looking into it and um, if the Raiders win this game, they they would tie up with the Colts, but also have that tiebreaker in their favor. So um, it's a pretty interesting one for that side of the playoffs. But um, what do you guys think? I mean, personally, I really struggle to put any sort of confidence in the Raiders at the moment after the, what was it like, the Falcons blowout and the, you know, pending that insane defensive play call by the Jets, you know, that would have been a loss as well. So I don't know if you guys are thinking the Raiders, but it makes them very hard to bet on for that reason. And my simple one here is I'm just going with the Colts and to cover. Yeah, the issue, with, the issue with that, though, is I could say the same about the Colts. I mean, they're really tough to bet on, too. You have a team who beat Green Bay and then lost to the Titans pretty poorly and then should have lost to the Texans. I mean, the yeah, Texans lucky. Yeah, literally fumbled their chances away on the three-yard line, right? So you could have a team that has two back-to-back bad losses. So it's which team do I trust more not to screw up more? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll go Colts. I, I think they are a slightly better team. I think a better defense. And you're right. I, I, the Raiders free fall has been worse because the Falcons loss was very, very bad. And the Jets keeping it that close is very, very bad. So I'll go Colts as the lesser of two evils. Yeah, I agree entirely. These are two very difficult teams to know which one's turning up uh, each week. But Again, this is going to be a time where we're just going to pick the Colts because of their defense. So you're talking about a matchup where it's the 10th best offense against the 11th best offense, but it's the 10th best defense against the 28th best defense. So wow, to 28th, me, they're that bad? Yeah. The Raiders? That's yeah. bad. Well, that what was it? What was the game against the Falcons? Like 45-3 or something? Yeah. Like 43-6. So, yeah. So for that reason alone, I'm, I'm just going to, going to bet on the defense here and take the Colts and the Colts to cover. Seems to be a theme with you with the Bears as well. Yeah, I'm just going defenses across the board. So obviously you're going with the Jets at the Seahawks then. 13 and a half point favorite Seahawks, you know. Seahawks don't have a defense, right? So you've got to go with the Jets. I don't know if the Jets have a defense either. I mean, so <laughs> they certainly did not have a defense on one play uh, one play last week. The No, they had the defense. They just sent them all towards their car, all 11 <laughs> yeah, they of them. just ran them a warm way. <laughs> they could have, though, right? I mean, here's the thing is, the okay, that's the play call. But if fundamentally the players could have audibled out of that one, like if they'd really disagreed with the play call, if they thought it was as stupid as it clearly was, uh, they could have decided, no, we're going we're gonna to switch to a, a kind of fallback defense here. But... Uh, the spread here, I mean, obviously the play is the Seahawks. It's kind of a must-win game for them just because of the NFC playoff picture and the situation in the NFC West. It's hard to imagine them losing to the Jets, having just lost to the Giants. So, yeah, the Seahawks are going to win. 13.5 points is a lot. Like, that's the issue here. But I just think that Russell Wilson, off a week when he's been receiving a lot of criticism... He even received some criticism just for the way he spoke to the media after the game. He was a little bit blasé about their loss to the Giants. Oh, blasé. Yeah. So I no, think no. Uh, I think this is uh, Russell Wilson in that Seahawks offense with a point to prove. 
and you know a Pete Carroll team, he's going to have them fired up. They're going to be annoyingly like pumped up after every play against a terrible Jets team. You know it's going to be the fourth quarter, and they're still pit, like intercepting the ball and running to celebrate, and Pete Carroll's going to go crazy on the sidelines in like a 43-6 to six game. That's what's going to happen, so I'm going to take Seattle. Yeah, I, I, I picture Wagner, Bobby Wagner, high-fiving Pete Carroll's arm off. <laughs> He's so excited, <laughs> just taking it clean off on a high-five. Eddie, I'm very surprised you didn't give us your trademark slogan. Good team after a loss. I, I gave it a couple games ago. That's the thing. But it is for new listeners. This is a this is a Hewitt trademark. If you if you thought you thought of this before, you didn't. I thought of it first. You always take a good team after a loss. So that's it's that simple in this instance too. Yeah, and I'll one up that Eddie because I had this stat stored away. Not only do you take a team off of a loss you take Russell Wilson after a loss. So this year he had a bad performance against the cards in week seven, week eight, he comes out four TD passes, had a bad game against the Rams in week 10. Next week he comes out, puts up 120 passer rating, almost near perfect. So he is definitely someone you take after a loss. I'll take them. I'll take the route. Uh. Didn't he also have a pretty average game against the Eagles before the Giants game? So now he's had two pretty average games. And also the Seahawks have scored lower than in the last four. I think, what, they've scored 12, 17. And then there was two in the high 20s, in fairness. But um, uh, they're in the mid-30s at the start of the season. Like, is, is this just one random bad game? Maybe it's like three or four where Wilson's actually put in pretty worse performances. I don't think I don't think all the I don't think you can attribute all of their uh, offensive struggles to Russell Wilson. Like they were relying on him early in the season being near perfect to produce the kind of uh, offensive performances that they were getting. So it's it's a little bit harsh on him to be like, oh, you're not making five incredible plays a week. Well, you're terrible then. Like you're only making two incredible plays a week, and other than that, not making that many horrific mistakes. But, you know, he's been a bit sloppy. His career would show you, kind of like Frank pointed out, but his career will show you that he's going to fix it. And, and having the opportunity to fix your, your offensive struggles against the Jets seems, it's seems like perfect timing. To do it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? The Seahawks have been let down by their defense. Like, there's no mistakes about that this season. But the problem is for me is that last week, I got absolutely stung by big point spread. I got absolutely ruined by them. Uh, most of them I went the wrong way <laughs> and even the ones I tried to cover you know what I'm going to I'm going to take the Seahawks to win but I'm going to take the Jets to cover I, I just can't it's just too just big wanna, a, it's just too big a spread for me I do just want to say Sam you went 4-10 and 10 against the spread last week you didn't just lose on no, big point yeah. spreads <laughs> no but you lost on some season, small ones too throughout this season I, I just feel like I've been on the wrong side of those spreads and it's one of those things where most of them lose because of just like a very early touchdown or like touchdown field goal jets are up by 10 they lose the game you know like 21 10 or something like that it'll be those kind of games that i think will happen and they're the ones that really annoy me about these big point spreads so you know what i'm just going to go with it this time i'm just going to take the jets to cover the spread but the seahawks to win all right one interesting, just a small anecdote from the week. I saw Russell Wilson appeared on Pardon My Take. And as part of his interview, Frank, I don't know if you saw this, but they talked about his baseball pedigree. 
And he said that he would be a better baseball player as is like in current situation than Tim Tebow. You mean if he just picked up a bat and ball today? Yeah. He just quit down, down tools in the NFL and just goes and plays for the Yankees. He thinks he's in the majors immediately. Wow. That is a part in my take to Tim Tebow. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon this take, Tim Tebow, but you suck. (laughs) A little harsh. Tim Tebow's out there not doing anything, just minding his own business, just having Russell Wilson attack him. All right. Uh, Next up is the Falcons at the Chargers, and the Falcons are two and a half point favorites. I'll be quick. I think the Falcons, right, have shown glimpses of being very good this year. They've shown glimpses of being awful. These are two teams that have blown big leads at various times over the course of the season. I'm not sure they're the two teams that are extraordinarily well coached. I am going to say that the Falcons have been trending towards being good, and the Chargers seem to be, the wheels seem to be coming off a little bit. So I'm going to take the Falcons to win, the Falcons to cover. Could be a really fun game to watch, could be a good shootout, but I think ultimately, the Falcons will just have a little bit too much firepower there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same with you here. I think the way they're trending is the Falcons are eliminating those meltdowns and becoming more competent, um, especially over the last like three or four. And the Chargers are going the opposite way. Uh, so, yeah, for me, the two and a half on the Falcons looks pretty good. So I'll take that to cover as well. I've got not much to say here. I, I mean, these are two, another game I have no interest in watching. I'll go the Falcons. I think they are the better team, although I wouldn't say they're that much better. Packers at the Lions, and the Packers are seven and a half point favorites. Just a quick note for the MVP: Is it just a shootout between Rogers and Mahomes at the moment? You know, obviously with Big Ben's loss, and I guess Josh Allen had a hell of a game to resurrect any sort of chance. But um, is it too late? Is it just these two now? Because when you look at it, Rogers is. Um, leading with better passer rating and touchdowns at the moment. Uh, is, is it is it all over? Is Mahomes getting it? Or is it really, is Rogers able to sneak this one? So, I mean, Mahomes is is one to five now. Uh, and it seemingly is a, is a two-man race in that it's Mahomes one to five and Aaron Rodgers is four to one. Josh Allen is third favorite at uh, 16 to one, but I just think that seems unlikely. You're looking at the other people who are even... F- figuring you know russell wilson seems impossible ben roethlisberger now that the perfect season is gone seems impossible so yeah it seems to be between the two of them my guess would be it's mahomes is mvp if the chiefs win all their remaining games if the chiefs lose one of these remaining games and the packers are perfect the remainder of the season and rogers has some sort of very good performances in those then maybe he wins it but Fundamentally, I think it's it's very much Mahomes is to lose now. What was the was it Mahomes only thrown like one interception or two interceptions this year? I think two, something I, two. I think you. Yeah. I, I was looking at it, it's, it's kind of crazy that in Rogers' last forty four games he's only thrown ten, and I thought that was a pretty impressive stat. Yeah, he rarely turns the ball over. He's underrated in that respect. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers is generally underrated in in many ways, um, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's the. I think when you look at the betting, the the MVP race should be closer than it is. Yeah. Uh, I think they should. Mahomes should have the slight edge at this point. He shouldn't be such a heavy favorite. Mm. I, I just going to the pick as well. I think that's a really easy one. So I take the Packers and to cover. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think the Bears. 
uh, the Bears kind of let the Lions get in back into mm-hmm. that game last week and kind of semi-fluky fashion. It almost felt like the Bears thought the game was over and with the kind of four minutes left when the Lions had that drive down 10. So part of me feels like this line just on that basis should be a little bit higher, um, even after getting rid of Matt Patricia, who clearly was just a corpse on the sidelines. But I'm I'm going to take the Packers to win that straightforward, and I'll take them to cover the spread. Green Bay's eight and four against the spread, and they have six 14 plus point victories. <sighs> It's tough to go against my Lions, and I'm not going to do it. So I'll go with the Packers to win. But the Lions showed a little more life now that they got rid of Patricia. Their offense looks like it's picked up its pace a little bit, so I think they'll keep it relatively close enough to cover the spread. Uh, Saints at the Eagles, and the Saints are six-and-a-half-point favorites. So we've got Jalen Hurts in now, so Wentz has finally... I mean, it's probably it for Wentz, right? I mean, that's probably career over at the Eagles anyway. Uh, I don't know, because he might be untradeable. So the thing that might keep him in the <laughs> What face, a horrible can... way of looking at it. <laughs> well, I mean, fundamentally, that's going to be the issue, is he's on a big contract. It's a huge cap hit for the Eagles, even if they do trade him. Um, so there's not a real incentive for them to get rid of him, because it doesn't really free anything up the only thing it does for them is remove any pressure from Jalen Hurts in the sense that he might feel like he's in a like a a quarterback competition but I think he's untradeable I don't think Jalen Hurts looks all that good so I think there is every chance that uh, Carson Wentz starts a game again for the Eagles and I would bet that he starts a game for the Eagles again this season and I think he's going to do it because Jalen Hurts is going to be absolutely awful against this very good Saints defense and I don't think he lasts the game so my prediction is Carson Wentz lasts like he's dead no he's not dead but he's going to get pulled I mean already we've seen with the Eagles right a willingness to do weird things with their quarterbacks in terms of when they bring them in and bring them out so I could see Carson Wentz back in in the fourth quarter doing okay and then starting the following game or at least by the end of the season. So I'm going to take the Eagles. I mean, the, now I'm going to take the Eagles to win. I'm going, to take the, I'm going to take the Saints to win and cover the spread. And weirdly enough, from a Saints team that historically with Sean Payton, you've always thought of them in terms of the number of points they could score and can teams keep up with them. Now it's it's their defense. So I'm not even that worried about the fact that they don't look, they look better. They're getting better week by week with Taysom Hill under center. But it's just the fact that I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to move the ball against them. Well, actually, Eddie, they're going back to their bounty hunting days with Greg Williams. Oh, maybe they'll rehire him. Another, <laughs> another Greg Williams <laughs> reference. Two weeks in a row, we've ripping on him. So, Who, yeah, Greg, Greg Williams. You know, after being fired from the Jets, he had he holds the unique record of now being a defensive coordinator for two teams that will have not won a game under his tenure because wow. he was he was at the Browns when they went 0 and 16 yep. and then now at the Jets fired before they had they could win a game so that's a, that's, that's a good quiz stat quiz question for the future for someone that's crazy so I'm going to pretty much just repeat exactly what you said so in the last 5 games the Saints are giving up less than 9 points a game that's a crazy good defense. 
against an offense and a rookie QB with his first start. Not a good mix. The other thing I'll say, the Eagles do not defend well against QBs that can scramble pretty well. So they had a nightmare against Lamar Jackson, and even Daniel Jones ran really well against them. So I think now you have a running QB who – Look, he had two TD passes, so he's he's kind of filling in decently for Breeze. I think he'll have no problem putting up points, and I cannot see Jalen Hurts putting up points. So Saints to win big. Yeah, I'll keep it quick. And yeah, Saints and to cover as well. I don't I don't think eliminating Wentz, not killing him, but I don't think getting rid of Wentz will change it. So next up is uh, Washington at the 49ers and the 49ers are three-point favorites i mean what a punch to the gut this washington team just gave the steelers right have they um they found a winning formula or did they just catch the steelers tired what was it like three games in 12 days the steelers were playing and this was the middle one between bills raven sandwich so did they just catch them in the one where they trapped them basically what to call it like a trap game right you know I don't. I don't think it was a trap game. What I do think is, you, a lot of times in the NBA, you talk about schedule losses, which is just the teams play back to backs and they have suddenly in a 10, 10 game, ten, ten day span they'll play. <laughs> Why was <laughs> like that, that so was, difficult? <laughs> tongue twister for me. But they they put, they'll play you know seven games and at a certain point in a way you like you you punt a game eventually just because of fatigue. And I think fundamentally the Steelers, not that they lost on purpose or anything, but they lost to Washington there because of the their schedule. I think there's no two ways around it. And if I'm a Steelers player, I am severely pissed off that the NFL has made it as difficult as they did for the Steelers to try and go undefeated. And maybe that's a good thing for them. Maybe this is a motivator. Maybe if you're Mike Tomlin, you're in there telling them, telling them like, look, the NFL fundamentally took a record away from us, and now we need to go and win this Super Bowl, and we can argue this. We can kind of put an asterisk next to this one lost season. But um, I didn't see anything from Washington that was that impressive. Uh, and the Niners, I think they're going to be able to run the ball on them. They're gradually getting uh, healthier. Now, defensively, the Niners against the Bills, that was – terrible i don't know what they were doing the kind of like soft zone coverage that they kept doing that was allowing josh allen to just find a receiver easily for you know seven to 12 yards virtually every attempt passing attempt i think they'll fix themselves this time around and i think alex smith is not going to enjoy his uh his return not return to san francisco because it will be played in Arizona, but his return to facing the Niners. I hate to go with the Niners, but I have to go with the Niners here. Look, I I love what Alex Smith is doing right now. I'm a huge Alex Smith fan ever since, you know, we've talked about it numerous times, all that he's gone through. Even last week, he got cleated in his good leg and his leg was just covered in blood. I mean, this guy can't was get a lot break. of blood. That was he so was, much blood. He was it was very like casual. pouring out of his leg. Yeah. I've had I've had legs cut by cleats and by studs, um, and had them bleed. I've never. I mean, the amount of blood that was pouring out, like a his his pants were soaked. Yeah, blood was streaming out of the material. I mean, that's just an incredible. Yeah. He was very casual about it, but I guess once you've nearly died and lost your leg, you're pretty casual about. Cuts. I was gonna say, I'm sure he. 
I'm sure his question was, can you see the bone? And they said, no. And he's like, oh, we're fine then. Because <laughs> it looked like, like there's some flesh-eating virus on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know he went home and antibacterial scrubbed the shit out of that cut for like six hours. Oh, yeah. That will hurt. <laughs> he's not letting that happen again. You know, with with all, the, you know, even with him playing well and Washington being better, four and two down the stretch, uh, I, I don't. I still don't believe in them. I don't think they're that great. Their offensive front is good, and that's what really scares me. Is if they can get to Mullins, that's trouble because Mullins is not that great of a QB, and especially if you put some pressure in his face, it's it's going to be an issue. But I'll go with the Niners, and I'll go the Niners to cover. Yeah, it's a good point about getting to Mullins because what was it? Um, sweat in the um, got to. Big Ben a lot in that game, like had a really good performance. And could he do the same again? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I'm i actually just going to go with Washington and to cover. And the only reason being is that I went with the Niners to win last time out. And it was an absolute horror show watching them. I'm, good logic. It is. It's, it's a gut feeling logic. That's it. Nothing more. Uh, so I'm taking Washington and to cover. Uh, Good game. Steelers are the Bills, and the Bills are two-point favorites. The two oh, remaining games so are, both, are both interesting, and the two remaining games are very difficult for me to pick. I'll just say yeah. that. And so Frank, I'll let, I had I'll a question you... before we get into your picks. I saw several sites, not just one site, several sites say basically this fact. You tell me what you think. The Buffalo Bills aren't getting enough respect as just being a two and a half point favorite against the Steelers on Sunday. This is now a team who we all thought could go 16 and 0, and now they're a basically a three point underdog. And teams are saying that that's or teams, people, pundits are saying that that's not enough. It's tough for me because I can kind of get where they're coming from to a degree, but you're right that, you know, if you put it this way, if you, I know that they will have had the line a week ago because I know Vegas does that where they do the line sort of a few weeks ahead of time. I would have been interested to see what the line for this game was seven days ago. And I'm going to imagine the Steelers were favorites. So it's, it's probably a decent point swing here. Um, that being said, I've been high on the bills all year and I'm actually going to pick the bills in this game. So I feel like the air may come out of the Steelers balloon a little bit in this game. And uh, no, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to take the Steelers. I'm change it on the fly. Good change logic. it on the fly. You know, great logic. And it's going to, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to the, I, I'm going to stick with the Steelers. I think okay. all around their game is going to be good enough here uh, to, to, to win this game. I've, I've read a lot of, like Frank, similar to what you were saying, like I've read a lot of like hindsight stuff now about the Steelers when everyone's like, well, actually, when you look at how one dimensional their game is and they basically like abandon the run and only pass. So it was inevitable that someone was going to like stop their passing game. And it's all just really hindsight stuff. I mean, if there's will, one thing. The abandoning the run is a serious concern. The fact that they have Roethlisberger um, passing, like throwing the ball 50 plus times a game. And they're sometimes, I think in the, I don't, I can't remember what the number was against Washington, but I think it was around 10 rushing attempts. Like you do need to rush the ball more uh, to be consistent against good teams. 
that's for sure. But that's easily fixable. And they have Mike Tomlin. He's a very good head coach. There's no no reason to think that they won't adapt. Yeah, and this is a really – and they've got a really good defensive unit, right? And one thing they're really good for is forcing turnovers and picks. And Allen's not going to get the same freedom he did against that 49ers defense. Like, it's just not going to happen. And Allen has been inconsistent. He has these incredible games, but simultaneously he has low-scoring ones. So – the Steelers are a better outfit and Allen isn't going to get to this 370 yard four TD game that he had before. Uh, so I'm, I, well, <laughs> until Eddie had his last minute change of heart, I, I'm with Eddie on the Steelers. It's like, it, they're a better outfit than that Washington game and they'll show it against the, the Bills, in my opinion. So I'll take the Steelers and cover. Eddie, I've been waiting to say this all week i've been saying it all year the steelers are one of the most overrated teams in the nfl now they've been exposed and i don't see any reason why they start 11 and 0 and finish the season 12 and 4 and are just an average team in the in the afc i think the bills are going to take it to them i do want to make the comment that I catch a lot of shit about having a Duca curse attached to me. Three weeks ago, Eddie told us to get on the Big Ben MVP train. He's played three pretty shitty games since then and oh, has a no. passer rating of 84. The Hewitt Hoodoo. The Hewitt Hoodoo. No. My the Hewitt Hoodoo Voodoo. My logic, my logic was that there was value there if they were going to go undefeated. It was a fundamentally a bet on the No, Steelers. no, no. Don't pull the the bet was the right move, even though it loses. It was. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't because was right he's move. not going to be. And you just pissed away your money and you ruined his career. He's not going to make the Hall of Fame anymore because of those oh. last three games. Well, I think his sexual assault allegations and various other things might mean more no, no, playable. No, no. Nope. Don't bring in those trivial things. Don't bring in those trivial things, Eddie. <laughs> so you're taking the um, bills into cover. Yeah, I think Josh Allen's going to play a big game here. And, then last and I'm saying the, the Steelers finished 12 and four. Who's the dopier looking quarterback out of the two of them? <laughs> I think Allen's the dopier one. Roethlisberger's the more drunk one. But I will say both of them are two quarterbacks. I think I'd have, you'd have a fun night out with. And I know that sounds bad falling off me mentioning Ben, ben Roethlisberger's sexual assault allegations. It depends who you are. If the night's fun with <laughs> big Ben, <laughs> Now there is a guy who knows how to have fun. Oh boy. And he will let nothing stand in his way. All right. Last game. Uh, Ravens at the Browns and the Ravens are two and a half point favorites. Who does Frank want to expose in this game? Do I want to expose LeVar Jackson and the Ravens or do I want to expose the Browns? Ask Big Ben about how you should expose yourself. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna give you some useful tips. I'll keep this short. Last week I said I was going to expose the Browns for what they are, and they turned out to be a pretty good team. This week I'm gonna stick with the Browns to expose the Ravens for just not being that great offensively anymore. And I think they're gonna get a lot of pressure to Lamar Jackson. Miles Garrett's back. He's a savage this year. They're going to stop Lamar Jackson, force him to pass, and it's going to be a disaster. So I'll go Browns here. Yeah, same. I, th- I think 
you're going to see a lot of running in this game, right? The Browns already have like a really strong running game. Um, the Ravens, all they do half the time, well, all they do is run. They ran 300 yards against the Cowboys. They're going to put a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson. He's going to have to throw more. That's not his comfort zone. It's not going to be a good matchup for him. And for me, I tell you what, if if Baker Mayfield has kind of clicked with the passing game now as well in that first half that we saw, like I'll forgive the second half because fundamentally it was a dead rubber. But if if the, if the Browns have found that passing game as well as complementing their running game and that pretty good defense that they've got, uh, the pretty good um, rush that they've got, it's a good team. And so I'll I'll take the Browns here. I, I think it's actually quite a nice easy one. I don't know if it's an easy one and. This would be this is the kind of game that really worries me because it would be a very Browns like thing to do to suddenly have all this press now. Everyone's flipped, right? Going into last week, the Titans were the better team. Everyone was talking about how this was a really good, good including us, a good matchup for the Titans. The Browns were super impressive. And literally everything you read now is the Browns need to be taken seriously. They are a potential Super Bowl contender. So it would be very Browns like for them to now lose the following week. And there's a and then a bunch of people flipping back to like, look, you see, you can't trust, you can't trust Baker Mayfield. Their offense isn't good enough, or you know, whatever the the issue is going to be. And similarly, this is just the right moment for the Ravens to have a kind of statement win where people go back to being like, this is why we thought they were going to be one of the Super Bowl contenders preseason. All that being said, forgetting potential storylines. I'm a Browns believer to a certain degree here, and I'm going to take the Browns to win. And uh, yeah, I but I don't think it will be easy. All right. That's it. It's time for us, I guess, to, to give our little tip as to what our bet of the week should be. Um, who wants to start us off? Um, can, can I do Europa League? because <laughs> i did yes. win my europa league bet today so can i just say that as my bet of the week <laughs> no you've tried you've tried this once before yeah, frank <laughs> not having your we've heard this one i will yeah so let's just use my money so this is the first all in on the podcast yeah. and i'm just gonna go for a simple treble don't pay much pays i think 1.9 1.91 okay. and it's going to be the packers outright a one to four the Titans outright at 10 to 37 and shifting to the Premier League, Southampton at home to Sheffield United, they're seven to 10 just to win outright. Southampton are a good team. So say that they again, you've got Southampton to win. Southampton to win, Packers to win and Titans to win. And that's 1.9. 1.91, yeah. So 5K. Crucial there. All right, Frank, do you It is when you've got no money. <laughs> Do you have your bet of the week, Frank, or should I should I go first? You can go first. Okay, so I'm going to also mix the NFL and the Premier League for my bet of the week. And my bet of the week is going to be, from an NFL perspective, the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Seahawks to win. All just money line. From the Premier League, I'm going to take Liverpool to beat Fulham on Sunday. And... The riskiest, I suppose, although it's actually the part of my bet I feel most confident about, but on paper, the riskiest selection in my bet is going to be City to beat United in the Manchester Derby. And that five-fold or five-team accumulator, uh, five-team parlay is uh, 3.15. And I am going to stick 
15,000 mythical dollars on it. I tell you what, that eight to 11 on City is really tempting. Like you're, you're just, it's the same story every week with Man U, isn't it? There's just always something negative. And obviously the elimination from the Champions League is certainly one of them, but it's more like the Pogba story coming out. It just, they're just never settled. It's true, but then it would also be very much in line with their season so far for them to now beat City. Yes. When Solskjaer's job starts to go on the line, they pull it out big time. And similarly, things are starting to look up for City, and so it would also very much be in line with their season for them to now lose to United. Like This would be the storylines of their respective seasons so far would indicate that this is where City will drop points and where United will get some kind of result that makes everyone think. I mean, while Frank is figuring out his bet, we can discuss it slightly. In a way, Solskjaer was a victim of his early group success there because that wasn't a group I think most people were that confident United were going to qualify from. And then the issue was that they started off by beating PSG and Leipzig in comfortable fashion as well. And then it was like, well, now you have to qualify from this position. Um and the fact that they didn't from the position that they were in after two games is the issue. But the fact that they didn't qualify from a group that includes one of the best teams in Europe and in Leipzig, you know, a very good team that is extremely well coached. Uh, it's not the most surprising in the world. It's also just the manner, right? It was a limp first half performance against Leipzig. They they imploded in Istanbul with that crazy defensive performance. The, the Istanbul is the issue. And and the issue for them too is, right, if they hadn't done that, they would have qualified. Yes, they were nine right. points. They were top of the league through four, weren't they? With nine. Yeah. If they just, if they just, I mean, if they drawn against in Istanbul, they, they would have qualified, they, I think. Yeah, like, because all they had to do was draw against Leipzig. Yeah, but, uh, but 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 yeah, no, they should have won that match and then qualification should have been a foregone conclusion going into the final match. So that's why they really messed up. Yeah. What do you think of the Pogba situation, by the way? You know, oh, then now it's come out that they apparently Solskjaer and Pogba have had a heart to heart and agreed pretty much. It looks like a January sell, although that's more a try and sell. It looks like Juventus is probably the one and only club. I mean, Juventus and PSG seem the only potential landing spots for him. I don't really know why anyone would really want him. I don't see anything from the last two years to make me think I'd want to pay him large sums of money and pay a reasonably large sum of money to get him. But if you're United, what else are you going to do? I mean, he was always destined to leave. He's got 18 months left on his contract. So if nothing else, he's going to wind that down and, and go on a sign as a free agent somewhere. Um, but, oh, a breaking news. My better of the week Dame is then. Is Bar- that the breaking news? Dame, <laughs> yeah. Dame Barbara Windsor has died. Sad news no for any of our British listeners way. out there. Yeah. Famous no for carry-on films and EastEnders. Uh, and on that on that high note, Frank, give us your better of the week. Sure to be another dead on arrival. Well, I've got a grief. Yeah, yeah, he actually was my it. better of the week. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, he was actually going to talk about Peggy Mitchell and then she died. Actually, I'll make this easy. I'm just going to roll over my winnings. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to keep the luck going of the goal scorer, but now I'm going to press my luck and I'm going to do a two score parlay. So, my word. First, I want Mo Salah to score. He's got two goals in his last two matches 
And he's playing against Fulham, who are just letting up goals left and right. I think they have 21 conceded this year. So I'll go with Salah to score. Parlayed with Jamie Vardy to score. Leicester are playing Brighton. Brighton lead the Premier League in penalties conceded. And Vardy loves nothing more than to get his goal off a penalty. So I'm going to take those two to score. What's it pay? 1.75. I was going to say it can't pay as much. As Vardy's usual just scores. almost even, I think. Yeah, Vard- there's actually decent value in Vardy. I think you can yeah. argue he's 10 to 11. Mo Salah is... Uh, one, is one to three or something? Yeah, it's it's not a tremendous amount of money uh, value in Mo Salah, but... It's all right. But I'll I, take it. A little more right. than 10 to 11. It's all right. It's good for Man City, right? Because Duke curse or mean he gets injured and then Liverpool look worse this season. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Jamie Vardy or Mo Salah are not making it through the next few days. I guess the only final talking point, we kind of talked uh, last week uh, quickly about the you know the kneeling that was going on uh, before matches. And then obviously you ha- had the issue in the PSG match um with that match being with the players walking off the pitch on both for both sides uh after um Istanbul's one of their assistant coaches was um was identified by the fourth official it was one of those that when the story originally came out and it was accusations that the fourth official had and I'm not going to necessarily express an opinion on this but that the fourth official had racially abused and I think it's Pierre Weibo the original thought was that something truly, truly awful had been said. As it transpires, not condoning the language that the fourth official used, but all he did was in trying to identify which one of the coaching staff had uh, was was sort of in trouble. He referred to Pierre Weibo as the black one. He said it in Romanian because he is Romanian, <laughs> and the Romanian word for black is negru. So I think Weibo initially at, for at least thought he'd referred to him as Negro, um, which was part of the reason why things got quite as, as heated as they did. That's not saying he was right to identify him as the black one anyway. It was interesting that um, John Barnes, who has been a pretty major campaigner um, in sort of the uh, anti-racism movie with, movement within English football, came out and defended the fourth official, saying there's nothing wrong with him identifying Weibo as the black one, and that if roles were reversed and there had been five black coaches and one black co- and one white coach, he would have said the white one, so that it was entirely normal language and nothing racist about it. I thought it I, was. I kind of agree. I don't know. I don't know if you agree, but you identify people. You would. You would say the ginger kid. <laughs> oh, no, it's actually weirdly, 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 I, I, and this this is going to come across as awful. I think weirdly, if he'd said the ginger one, it would have come across to me as being more offensive than saying because the black one seems a statement of fact. Ginger almost seems more loaded in some respects, which I know is awful. <laughs> no, you know, it's this just is descriptive, right? If there was, man, I can't believe that way, but... that's your take. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, here's the thing is, I don't think, I feel slightly sorry for the fourth official because I don't think 
what he was doing was meant in a racist way. And I think intent does matter a lot when looking at these things. And I think it was just, how am I going to identify that guy there? He's, oh, he's the black one. It's like when they do those jokes, right? When they like on sketches, when someone gets put in the awkward description of like, how do I describe this person? And then they're like trying to avoid the black things. They're like the guy who was wearing the green cardigan. It's like, oh yeah, but there's a couple guys in the green cardigan. Like which one? It's like, oh, well, the guy with the short hair. It's like, well, there's a few guys with short hair. Like which one? Um, So I kind of get it. But at the same time, I do think if you're a UEFA fourth official in the Champions League, that you should probably think better than using that you should know the risk of saying it and identifying someone that way. And he was foolish to do it. So I don't know if it warranted the players walking off the pitch. Now, I don't know if all the players knew exactly what had gone on. So they might have just been told, look, racial abuse here. Okay, we're leaving. So I, I commend them in that respect. I, they're talking about this fourth official being banned for ridiculously long periods of time. I don't know if, it, if he deserves that. At the same time, I don't know if it's a conversation that three white guys need to have. <laughs> I don't know. See, that actually, cl- well, no, I was just, the only thing I was going to say is it clears up for me because when I first saw what had happened, I thought he had used a racial slur towards the coach first, and then they got into an altercation, and then he threw him out by referencing him as the black coach. But and then because you see the coach saying he called me and I, I thought he was literally saying the N word, not Negro, but I thought that's what started the altercation that he was being called a racial slur rightfully so freaked out and was screaming and then got thrown out of the match. And then the ref like doubled down and said, yeah, like the, the black coach needs to go. But now I see that still not <laughs> correct, but love, there was, I love this. the idea of doubling down. Yeah. <laughs> the ref's like, you know what? I'm with my team through and through here. I'm going to go. I now see the confusion of, of what had happened, but still, I don't think that was the right move to call him by. So no, it was, it was unprofessional, I think is the best way of describing it, but probably not racist, but it's true that when the incident happened and it was just like, and either you were watching it and there was just, a heated discussion going on, on on the touchline. And then eventually when the players walked off, it was all just kind of rumored racial abuse by the fourth official towards a coach. Like it was all very vague. And in, in some ways I almost feel sorry for the fourth official also in that respect. And I think people will have assumed the worst in that moment and then not been put in a position to find out all of the details before rushing to the judgment of that fourth official as racist and should never be involved in a, in a football match again. And look, I'm, and maybe there was malice intended in the usage. I, again, it's kind of like when we talked about the Cavani thing incident a couple of weeks ago, without knowing the full way in which that word can be used in their native languages, very hard to rush to judgment. But if fundamentally it is just the description of the person as being black, unprofessional, but probably not something that I would classify as being racist. Great way to end the podcast. Yeah. All right, well, with that, I guess uh, I'll talk to you guys later. See ya.